0: And you may have seen her on Dateline, 48 Hours, CNN, NBC, ABC, O'Reilly Factor, and many other shows, including her own 90-minute PBS television special, Protecting Yourself in the Information Age. To learn more about this radio show and our great guests, please visit KUCI.org slash Privacy Piracy. Hey, Mari, what's our show about today?
1: Well, our show is very different today. It is about private intentions. You know... There's times that we talk about information privacy and then there's times that we talk about personal privacy and today we're really going to be talking about personal privacy and personal intentions with this wonderful new book that I just read. It's called The Green Intention, Living in Sustainable Joy by Sandy Moore and Deanna Moore, guidelines and tools that redirect your mind to the first step of a green life and this book is fascinating, and I want to introduce you and tell you a little bit about both of my wonderful guests. The first guest is Sandy Moore, who graduated from USC with a degree in teaching and subsequently earned a master's degree in educational administration. And she served as a teacher for 20 years. And then her life changed, and she became a minister after taking her ministerial training. And for many years, she has been the spiritual director of a wonderful church called the In Spirit Center for Spiritual Living in Mission Viejo, California. And this tr- this center is open to any faith at all. The center is actively involved in numerous outreach activities including ministries devoted to the environment, health, and peacemaking. And her co-author is her daughter, which is really fun. I've actually written a couple articles with my daughter and but never a book so this is really fascinating and her daughter is Deanna Moore who holds a master's degree in ecologically sustainable education from Prescott College and a BA in culture ecology and sustainable community from New College of California. She's worked with indigenous cultures in Africa India and Canada, promoting the value of traditional knowledge and an ecologically sustainable culture. She's the founder of an organic and sustainable chocolate company, uh, Chocolodel. I'm going to have to ask her how she pronounces it. And it, Chocolodel <laughs> is committed. Chocoladdle. Chocoladdle, thank you. Is committed. It sounds like a kind of a Mexican uh, Indian word. Mm-hmm. She's committed to socially just and ecologically regenerative. Sourcing and Processing of the Healthiest and Most Celebrated Ingredients from Around the World. And you can find, let me tell you about their websites, thegreenintention.com, and then we also have uh, the flow, flow f- com, which will spell that for you. All right, so l- without further ado, I want to thank you both for joining us today.
2: Thank you. Well, hi, Mari. Thank yeah. you for having us.
1: Okay. Now, this this must have been fun, Sandy, you know, with your own daughter. Uh, how was that collaboration from your perspective as a mom writing with your daughter? And how that happen?
2: Oh, it was a great question, and it's been a great honor because my daughter is just a woman in the world I truly look up to. She's so integrated in just the environment and spirituality and, and doing good in the world. And I wrote a book called... Um, Cultivating Joy, Growing the Good Within, from my spiritual journey. I sent it to a publisher. He liked it, but he wanted it to be more contemporary and more inclusive. And he said, is there any way that you can make this not just about your inner environment, but also about the outer environment? And that's when I was just honored to be able to ask Deanna to, to be a part of this book and bring her knowledge, her wisdom, and her many travels and her deep work into the book that I, I was writing. And he just loved it and that's the birth of the green intention
1: Wow Deanna how did you feel about writing with mom
3: well I thought it, I mean I thought it was great I my mom's path um, of spirituality is fully in alignment with um, my own my own path uh, and you know and also just my love for the environment and for nature um, you know I I've always wanted to be able to blend um, both the practical side of living which is you know, environmentalism with spirituality. Um, right. I, go, I feel like they're a really good
1: marriage. The ma- the material and the spiritual. Mm-hmm. How great is that? It's a wonderful book, and what a great collaboration! I bet it was really a wonderful thing for the two of you to actually kind of connect in a very different way as authors too. That mm-hmm. must have been a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. Diana. Let me ask you, ultimately, in this book, you're you're explaining how spirituality is essentially connected to living a green lifestyle. And it talks about living in tune with nature and spirituality of the earth. So how can those listening who do not consider themselves spiritual begin on this journey?
3: Well, I think um, through either place, if you consider yourself spiritual but not environmental, or if you consider yourself environmental but not spiritual, it's really taking... Um, the daily practice of uh, being conscious of our actions and wh- how they're affecting uh, the people and, of the planet and the actual environment, um, and and making choices based upon, you know, what's the what's the best thing and health, most healthiest thing I can do, um, and it really only does start, you know, it, it starts within, you know, and actually changing, taking a look at, you know, and assessing what we're doing. And then, um, the practice of making, you know, even small changes, um, within our lifestyle to, uh, to bring, you know, that, that, that awareness
1: into our lives. Right. Sandy in, in the book, you're clearly being a guide, both of you are being a guide for others who are, who are kind of embarking on this quest to kind of join that spiritual with that green intention. Mm-hmm. And what I think was real helpful in your book, and I had read your other book, Tara's Angels, with you when uh, your husband wrote the book. I know the story. Why don't you tell my audience a little bit about your evolution and your journey from Tara's Angels to the Center for Spiritual Living, because that shows how your intention became a reality.
2: Thank you. It was about 18 years ago that uh, my oldest daughter, Indiana's sister, was killed in a car, just a uh, innocent car accident, but it just happened, you know, so immediately, and uh, it just changed our lives. It's you go from a day where you just think everything's wonderful and just having a great day to a, a great tragedy that's happened, and it, when it breaks you open like that, it really get your, your deep beliefs come to the surface, and I have a deep belief that life is inherently good, and even though that tragedy was so devastating and, oh, it just you know pulled us apart at the seams... I knew there was some good that needed to be expanded from this from this experience, and so I was a public school teacher then, and uh, I was drawn. Our daughter loved Tara loved angels, and we were drawn to open an angel store in her name because when she made her transition, people would bring us angel books, angel stories, angel statues, and it felt so just oh so healing to have the angels in your life. That we opened this angel store in San Juan Capistrano in her honor. And from that, people would come. Actually, it got lots of notoriety, lots of media attention, and people came literally from all over the world to visit Tara's Angels. However, I saw they came with a lot of grief and a lot of suffering. And you know, my, inside, inside of me, my intention was to help give people life-enhancing possibilities to turn tragedy into possibility. And so, as we had the Angel Store, we started teaching classes, and I was in ministerial. Uh, training, and we ended up opening our center for spiritual living to give people the tools of how to live their best life, how to turn tragedy into possibility. And then from there, you know, after opening the center, I feel a book is a wonderful tool again because you know when we have the tools, we can grow to help people again learn how to live their best life. Live, and the green intention again is life-enhancing intentions, intentions that help us grow inside and help the world grow. So that's how, where my journey has led me.
1: And that intention, and I know you talk about intention quite a bit in your book and, and how you manifest intention. So Deanna, maybe you can explain really what you mean in the book about gr- the green intention mm-hmm. and how it incorporates that that spirituality and that environment mm-hmm. so that you move forward and, and change your life, and have a, a an intention to have a live, you know, a sustainable joy.
3: Yeah, I think uh, a lot of people who are on a path of spiritual growth and personal growth um, are, you know, cultivate an amount of consciousness in their own selves to be able to, like my mom said, to live their best life, and the green intention extends. That beyond our own individual selves, into um, out into our environment, and and so the green intention is about how to you know how do we have an intention of, of spiritual and personal growth for ourselves, and and simultaneously be um, living um, as consciously as possible, uh, with, you know, in alignment with a healthy environment, and so um, the things that you know I talk about in the book are just opening up. A conversation and awareness about, you know, some terms and some ideas about how, you know, personal growth and, you know, um, in ecological or environmental lifestyle um, actually do fit together really well. Um, so I see it as um, the green intention as having the intention to grow both, you know, personally and, um, you know, c- cooperating with the rest of the world to create a healthy environment.
1: Yeah, as I read the book, it just seemed to me that you were synthesizing both, you know, in the material world, the spiritual world, and being congruent, you know, if we're really spiritual, we're also going to want to take care of our, our mother nature. So I I kind of got that out of it, too, that, you know, thinking of all levels of, of intention.
3: Right. And one of my, my teachers, um, you know, early on, when I was first really kind of expanding into my environmental work would call, you know, um, the things we were doing with the earth um, practical mysticism. So mm-hmm. it's a real practical approach to spirituality. It's it's actually bringing spirit into, you know, doing
2: um, the right thing.
3: Um, yeah. For the environment.
2: So. Right. I love that. Right. And Go ahead. you know, Mari, it's what Deanna and I have talked about so often is is you know, we've always equated our work my spirituality helping people inside and when she'd go out, being teaching people how to garden or permaculture or cook organically or whatever she was doing with the earth that we were, we're all interrelated. Yes. Everything touches everything. We believe there's this web of life. So what we do matters. And that's what it's about really becoming aware that who we are inside and what we do outside, it matters because we're part of a bigger whole and it's kind of a law of uh, interdependence. There's an interdependence on everything with everything. And it's a beautiful way to look at life. Wow, I matter and what I do makes a difference.
1: Right. Each person makes a difference. I notice in, in your book, you know, you you list green intention affirmations and, you know, those are in growth exercises, which are terrific too. So um, what are some of these green intention affirmations that maybe you could share with us? Sandy?
2: Well, first of all, you know, it's wonderful to read a book, and we've put in the growth um, intentions and affirmations because it, we have to do our part. It's not enough to just put them in, but to also uh, act on them and act, act, actualize them and embody them. So when we say, I am open to the abundant gifts of the universe or I ask for what I need, and I receive all the support I want. I accept my good right now. Those kind of things are just affirmations because we. I believe, and, and Deanna also, I mean, this is a, a consciousness we hold, that we're energetic beings and being very conscious of the energy we're putting out into the world. I believe that many of us, and you know, we all touch it, I believe, get into a negative trance and we look at things as being wrong or bad in the world not realizing we have the personal power to improve them. Yes. So the affirmations are just one step of, of turning our energy into a positive vibration.
1: Right, changing your thinking and changing your life and changing the world. Exactly. <laughs> Deanna, you explain permaculture as both an avenue for green living as well as a metaphor for achieving spirituality, but I don't think people really know what permaculture is. Could you explain what that is and how it does relate to spiritual growth?
3: Definitely. Yeah. And, um, you know, this is, uh, sort of a system of observation and action that I learned, um, as an avenue for my environmental, um, action and permaculture, uh, is basically it comes from the word permanent agriculture or permanent culture. And it's basically meaning, um, how to live sustainably in it. And it's, a design system um, where you know there's certain steps and there are certain principles. Um, the three main um, ethics of permatur- uh, permaculture are caring for the earth, caring for people, and um, sharing the wealth. So it's it's um, you know if we look at all our decisions and we base them on those three things, and um, and then it really just takes into our account you know, where, where we live and where we're at right now and how do we design um, a system that is all functioning uh, harmoniously with one another that's fully sustainable. And this can be um, out on, you know, large acres of land. It can be in a suburban home. And there's also an aspect of it that's, that's called zone zero. It's the inner, it's your own inner ecology and your own inner um, systems that, we all, we want to be functioning harmoniously. And um, if there's any sort of block in the flow, so to speak, you know, we look at that and we try to harmonize that. So
1: um, does that make sense? It does. It's a good analogy. If there's blockage, you want to get rid of the blockage so the water can flow and and give water and life to the land. And and also if there's blockage within us, we want to unblock that flow and give life to all the good things that we're supposed to have.
2: Right. 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 Oh.
1: And I was going to ask you, Sandy. So, so Deanna was talking about you need a design. So, but you talked about basically that when you set an intention, you have to have a good design. Because if you set an intention and you have a bad design, that's what you're going to get. Tell us about that.
2: Well, actually, the the beautiful part of that is my the tenants for my book. When I wrote the the chapters, my first chapter was setting your intention, and for every chapter, I had the title for. Deanna was able to put a permaculture tenant or belief or practice next to it. So my chapter was setting your intention, which I believe your intention, again, is using your personal power, the deep commitment you have for life, your overall um, dedication to your life, uh, setting a strong intention. And her tenant from permaculture is a good design invites success. And so, you know, in your garden, and why don't you explain that one, Dee? Well, it's basically
3: when, you know, um, when you're designing anything, you need to um, know what you have going on and be really clear on what you want. And the big, um, the big sort of uh, analogy that's used is if you put your house in the wrong place and you build it, it's really hard to move it.
1: <laughs> right, right. So you <laughs> want
3: to make sure that, you know, you know what direction the wind's coming from and what kind of soil you have underneath you. And what can grow around you, and what sort of materials you're going to use, and you know, just basically, and it's the same thing in life. You want to know, um, you want to observe where you are, and then have a really clear intention of what, um, what, well, what you want the process to be like. And if if it's not fun, then the design's wrong too. <laughs> so you have to make sure you're having fun. And then also, that you know, the end result of, um, or you know, how how you want the the, the the building and the, the system to look like and having a really clear idea of what that is and really thinking about, you know, what, what could, you know, potentially go wrong and what could go right. And then let go of what can go wrong and take action on what can go right.
1: Yeah. And I loved when you talked about uh, composting unwanted beliefs, just like you compost unwanted weeds and unwanted rocks and all that stuff. What a, what a great analogy that is. As yeah, well. because, particularly because
3: you know when you don't want something in your life, just like pushing it away isn't going to do anything. Right. But if you if you can dig it up, you know, <laughs> dig it up, and if you can like let it go and and you know um, just allow it to become um, a, a motivation or inspiration or uh, you know fuel or richness in your life, then then um, then that's actually you're taking. You know, something that was a problem and, and using it uh,
1: for good. Exactly. We're speaking with Sandy Moore and Deanna Moore. And Sandy is a minister in Spirit Center for Spiritual Living in Mission Viejo, California. She's the co-author with Deanna Moore, who is a uh, who holds a master's degree in ecologically sustainable education from Prescott College, and she is the co-author of the Green Intention: Living in Sustainable Joy guidelines, and tools that redirect your mind to the first step of a green life. How wonderful. And you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. I'm the host of Privacy Piracy. And today we're talking about personal privacy and personal intentions and private intentions. So, Sandy, you know, you talked in the book, and I've heard you talk before, about healing eyes as a way to compost unwanted beliefs. What is that all about?
2: Well, yes, that's one of my favorite my favorite ways to have a life-enhancing approach, approach to things. Sometimes we look too closely and just at the surface and just at the circumstances. And, you know, people say, oh, try walking a mile in my shoes, and that's Basically what this is about, it's learning to take a breath, You know, keep space between you and the situation, because the world is really full of a lot of suffering and so many ways to overcome it. And if we make the space hmm, for a greater understanding, a greater awareness to come, if we step back, breathe, and add some empathy, compassion, Passion, gratitude, forgiveness into whatever we're feeling. You know, we're aware that, oh, my gosh, this doesn't feel right. We can heal many, many situations. It was very interesting. I was speaking to a woman. I was making uh, an appointment for my dog at the vet, and uh, they couldn't find my name in the computer. And I, I realized, I said, well, you better try my daughter's name because it's actually her dog. And so they found it under her name. And I said, isn't that funny how we are the wonderful beneficiaries of our children's pets? And she got off on this very upset about, oh, I know, my daughter gave me my dog, and I'm her dog, and I'm so upset. And she got really wound up, and I said, you know, why don't you take a minute and take a breath and think about the dog. What? Tell me about the dog you have. And she said, oh, I love this dog. It's the <laughs> cutest dog. It's the most wonderful dog. And I said, well, what if you just let go of the upset? Yes. What if you just let go of that and focused on this adorable dog, and no, he's a puppy, and she just with those simple steps, the healing eyes, stepping back, taking a breath, and just viewing things in a different way. And she said, "Oh my gosh, I feel totally different. Thank you." And that was all like in a 30-second period, and it was—I don't have a clue who she was. She was just the, the vet's assistant, but that's what healing eyes are, and we can use them anytime, anywhere.
1: And we forget that we can change our view. We can change our perspective. Yeah. And, you know, we are the only ones who can do that. We are in charge of that, but people forget about that. Right. So how about this issue of letting go? I think letting go could be hard. You were talking about that you asked this lady at the vet to let go, and you were able to help her do that with your soothing and your wonderful way, Sandy. But I know for a lot of people, it's really hard to let go of things so how how is letting go a part of the green solution? I know both of you have addressed that in the book. You want to say something about that, Sandy, and and also Deanna? Sandy, why don't you go first? Sure,
2: sure. Well, for me, letting go of thoughts that don't serve you. And again, awareness is a huge key, both in the outer world, which Deanna, I'm sure, will we'll talk about, and for your inner world. Is this thought life-enhancing or not? Is Is where my focus is, where my attention is, is it feeding my life, is it moving towards the good, or is it keeping me stuck in in negativity and upset? And awareness is the first key, and then having the tools to let go. Sometimes we can't do it on our own. Sometimes it's, you know, we're too wrapped up, and we need help from, either we can read books, we can go to groups, we can get counseling, we can do acupuncture. You know, we talk about many different ways in the book, because Too often we're so wound up in our own story that we can't let go on our own, and it's knowing when to get a massage or when to do something, go go out in nature, hug a tree, totally change your environment, so we can let go of what isn't feeding our good.
1: And you know, when you were talking about awareness is the first step, we have to be conscious, and I think that's where people are often so unconscious about their thoughts. They don't realize that they're allowing those thoughts to continue Without stepping back and, like you said, become aware of those Mm -hmm. thoughts and say, "Why am I thinking that? That doesn't serve me. Mm -hmm. Or why am I thinking that? That doesn't that doesn't apply anymore in my life." Yes. Yeah. So, Deanna, how how does that relate to the outer world?
3: Well, I think it's it's interesting. It's a a similar sort of um, process or practice, which is, you know, asking: Is this is this habit? Is this practice? Is this action? Regenerative, meaning is it contrib- contributing to um, life-enhancing properties? Is it you know, um, something that's, that's growing something good and contributing to health? Or is it degenerative, meaning is it um, you know, not healthy? Is it um, you know, harmful? Uh, um, these kinds of questions. Is it hurting people or myself? Um, so you know, it's a similar kind of question, and I would say it's a practice as well. Um, because it is it is challenging to let go of either you know thoughts or beliefs or um,
1: lifestyle or I habits know. habits exactly mm-hmm. yeah
3: I... um, it's, it's certain habits and and it's just and I think it also um, a big part of it too is being around community or being around people um, or being around places uh, or nature that supports that and mm-hmm. that it either inspires you or that can reflect to you and support you um, on a path of, of, that, that's in alignment with what, where, where you're going.
1: Exactly. You know, I was thinking about the idea of reusable energy and thinking about the old ways of thinking. Like, we've been using oil for so long, and we have not really focused as much as, as at least from my perspective, on new types of energy that we could get, you know, and finding better ways to use the sun that's right there. You know, without destroying people and lives and all this stuff that we've done, and the and the challenges and conflict that we've had. So, when we talk about the idea of reusable energy, how, how does that translate to spiritual and sustainable intentions, Deanna?
3: Well, this isn't. I mean, it, this is probably the most important topic in terms of you know environmental um, issues, and there isn't a lot of. Well, there's a lot of energy being placed on it, but not as much as there should be because um, I think a lot of people are, uh, you know, it's fear, um, and the we have human. The human species has an amazing amount of creativity to draw upon to, you know, totally fuel and energize our, our society and our culture and our lifestyle. Um, you know, I, we just have to be open to it and um, and put our, you know, put. All, those, all the resources that we have into finding and um, supporting that renewable energy. And I think, you know, it's so obvious the connection with spirituality, and I can let my mom talk about that, but, um, you know, in terms of environmental, uh, you know, issues, it's a, it's a big one. And I think the first step with anything is just becoming educated and aware about it. Um, and that way we can start to open our minds like to other possibilities. And I talk about it as, Energy is this palette with different color paints, and right now we're just using one color, but there's really so many other colors that we can be using, um, and we just need to, to start understanding that those are as valuable, or probably more valuable now, um, than just you know just oil and just these fossil fuel resources.
1: Right, and kind of letting go of the old patterns. I think that's and it, part. Yeah,
3: completely. And, and a lot of people think, oh, you know, if we do this, we'll be taking a step backward, or it's not going to be as comfortable or convenient. And um, I think you know, that's a huge, um, well, I think it's a misconception, and, and it's also something that, of course, we need to let go of, of that kind of thinking um, and be open to other possibilities.
1: Sandy, what do you think about that? How does that relate to the, the spiritual realm?
2: Which piece?
1: the piece about the idea of reusable energy.
2: Well, reusable energy, as as Deanna said, it's about everything I I teach is about expanded awareness, that we're connected to everything. And things on this physical plane aren't unlimited. They aren't infinite. They have a finite uh, life, and we need to be very conscious of how we participate with everything. So just what Deanna said, it's just it's so important that we realize there's a solution in everything. And, you know, in in our book when, again, I had a chapter called New Possibilities, and what the permaculture belief is is that every problem holds the solution. So instead of looking at it, as Deanna said, oh, my gosh, this is going to be so hard there's only this much what are we going to do it's going to be the end of the, the world well it's the end of life this particular part of life but there's always new possibilities inherent in everything and there's a new way we don't need the oil there's new ways to do it if we just start thinking differently right and and asking the deep questions i, I don't i think Deanna said it's all about fear and fear oftentimes keeps us from asking the deep questions because what are we going to touch but for me asking the deep questions that's where all of the deep deep answers are the rich deep answers and that taps us into a greater intelligence when we just don't keep our mind on the surface
1: i love the acronym fear f e a r false expectation appearing real mm-hmm. you know i love that because it always makes, whenever i think oh dear i'm fearful well, wait a minute, you know, is this a false expectation appearing real, or is this something that I, that's an imminent danger that I better take care of right, right this second? Exactly. You know, what is the reality? Well, Sandy, that kind of leads to when you're talking about creating something different or looking at different renewable energy. I know that you talk about visioning. So first, if you'll explain to our audience, what is visioning and why is creating a vision so important? Mm-hmm.
2: I do so much uh, in my life personally and in the, business, in the business running of our center on the process of visioning. And visioning is different um, than just creating a vision. Again, it's asking the deep questions. And I believe, uh, you know, whatever different people believe, to me it doesn't matter if it's God, spirit, the universe, creative energy, whatever that power is that we know is greater than we are and for us to use, It's asking for whatever situation is going on, what is the highest vision for my life? And then, again, going to that deep place, knowing that we live in this creative potential, that there are possibilities everywhere. What is the highest vision for the world right now? And and if you want to get it down to more bite-sized pieces because that's so big, you can ask, what's the highest vision for, you know, my, my job? And then... You ask, you get into the feeling nature of it, so you expand beyond your mind. You know, okay, the highest vision is for me to this. and You may get pictures. You may get feelings. There's no one way to vision. It comes to different people in different ways. And then feel it, understand it, and then you get deeper in the question, well, what is the next step for me? So it's coming again from that deep, deep place.
1: You know, sandy people are so busy nowadays. It takes me, for example, I have to get up really early in the morning just to look at all my emails and respond to all my emails. So, you know, then I'm I'm tethered to my Blackberry or I'm tethered to the computer or I'm dealing with clients and you know, by the end of the day I'm really exhausted. And how, and I'm sure there's a lot of other people like me, you know, and then my kids are grown, but then you've got to come home and you want to spend quality time with your kids. And then you just sometimes want to just sit in front of and watch a movie. So how is it that people who are listening can really get to that point where they can sit down and do that visioning? I think that's a a real issue. I think people who are listening to this, whether they're students on our campus who are studying all day, and then they're getting ready for tests and whatever it is, or getting ready for law school or business, or the people who are listening who are driving by who are business people – you know, you can't really do this visioning very easily when you're trying to drive a car because you have to pay attention. No. <laughs> and, you know, I mean, I know it's really wonderful and your book really tells you to do it, but h- how do we get ourselves to find the time to sit down and actually do that deep work?
2: Oh, I, that is such a perfect question, and I'd like, you know, to De, Deanna to respond to that too. What, what I do, the thing that helps me more than anything, Mari, because I get so caught up in that also, is keeping what's important important. And what Gandhi said, I remember, I love this line. He said, I am so busy today. My schedule is so full that I'm going to have to meditate two hours instead of one.
1: <laughs> I love
2: and, it. And for him, as, as for me, when we're centered, when we're in alignment with our purpose, our intention, our the vision for our life, when we're in alignment with that, we can get what's important done and We get so distracted by all of the things in the world right now. I think more than ever, it's absolutely imperative. If if it's five minutes, ten minutes, morning and evening, we take time to breathe, to meditate, to pray, to do spiritual practice, to vision, whatever it is, so we can go out and live a meaningful life and not a life of distraction or, you know, when we get the paralysis of indecision because there's so much coming at us, that we can really be focused and on purpose.
1: You know, Deanna, I think the same thing, you know, is for how we would have our green life. You know, it's it's easier maybe to just get something that's plastic or just, you know what I mean, to just get these easy, fast things instead of thinking about the environment. Do you know what I'm saying? Instead of recycling or doing something, we're just in such a hurry that we don't have time to do that. So how do you respond to that in terms of our outer world?
3: Well, I, th- I think there becomes a point when you know you, I, yeah, it's it's really easy to, I don't want to say make excuses, but to not find time to to make the extra step to do something. Right. And um, I think that that goes along really well with just spending five or ten minutes meditating or um, doing something for yourself that's re- regenerating, um, relaxing, that's b- but inspire- and inspiring. So if you can somehow as a lifestyle try and, you know, become present in each moment and, you know, because there's a difference between the person who thinks they should do something and the person that actually does it. And it's not that doesn't take that much more time to actually do it, you know, putting the, the, uh, you know, the trash in the recycling bin. Um, And, and I think too, when, when you can experience something like nature or become aware and educated about, you know, the environment and you develop a connection with, with what you're doing, um, it becomes not a chore, but something, an act of, of love, um, that is, you know, personally satisfying. So, um, I think that the two go hand in hand, you know, with, with taking time to, to slow down and, and vision, or or meditate, and then also taking the, the time, um, or the energy of um, of
1: to recycle, or, yeah.
3: yeah, or or planting a garden, or um, you know, d- doing something that's that's a, a benefit for the earth and, and humanity.
1: Right. Yeah. If I could just add yeah, something to sure, that, sure. right?
2: Deanna one of the really select beings. I think on the planet right now there's a group of of really deep conscious people with a green intention and she truly her her business it's called from bean to bar every part of her um, raw organic chocolate fair trade chocolate company is created with the intention of how it affects the earth and its people just as she said the permaculture tenants the beliefs they go on and so her intention is so strong that it doesn't become a, a chore anymore we can get habits for good with training, just as we've trained ourselves in the habits for negativity or the things that aren't sustainable and healthy. And it, it, she's really a model to me of how when you have that strong intention and you've really made it a habit in your life, you just live with the consciousness of doing the thing that's best for, you, for yourself and the planet, eating, exercising, you know, caring for the earth, and we all fall off. It's not like, oh, let's strive for perfection. It's always, you know, we need to alter our course and keep, keep ourselves on course. But it's a developing the habits for good.
1: And, and it's part of the design, like you say, that the, the environment and being green by design. There's so many things in technology right now that are quick and easy, but they don't actually put into the architecture of the product the intention of, environment or being green so you know that that's the thing is like you know how do we raise the consciousness so that all people creating new products and services that they build into the architecture of the product or service that intention that's really the the yeah. mindset that has to change don't you think
3: exactly and it's exactly and that's a mindset and it's something that is is cultural and if we can all that's why you know all of our acts collectively create our culture and our consciousness. And, you know, it's not even necessarily about right now our generation, but what are we planting into the, the seeds of our children? And um, all, you know, nature offers us a design system that we can create everything we need based on, um, you know, the, the ecological principles and, and, and um, sustainability. So I, I think that that very much is going to be... Becoming um, uh, a paradigm or, or a cultural um, belief belief system change, and so what we're doing by even just starting with one small step is is really serving that um, emerging belief system, um, so that we can start really really creating and having sustainability as uh, a cornerstone of of technology and any design that we do.
1: Right. You know? That's so Build, great that yeah, building but,
3: energy anything.
1: Mm-hmm. So that's what we're speaking with Deanna Moore and also Reverend Sandy Moore, who are the co-authors of the Green Intention: Living in Sustainable Joy, guidelines and tools that redirect your mind to the first step of a green life. And I love that because it is first step for many of us out there. You know, we've. We've become a, such a culture where, you know, we're buying everything, everything new, everything exciting, everything fun. And so we're, we're living for the moment so often, I think, at least that's how right. I see it, is we're living for the moment, for the instant joy. And in that hurry and in that rush, we're forgetting about all of the other really important issues of what's going to happen when we throw this away. <laughs> you know? And right.
2: it's it's that's so true, Mari. And I think in my just understanding spiritually, this recession and has caused us all to pull back and to really evaluate, take time to evaluate what's important. Because we know our spending dollar is a way that we send a message to the world. We buy what's important to us and and what what has happened for Deanna is she's un, what's happened in this recession she's found people are buying more of what's really good for them, especially healthy, organic, raw chocolate. And it's a wonderful way, in that way, there's some real good that's come out of this that we've had to really take time and decide, gosh, where am I going to use my energy, my time, my talent, my treasure, whatever it is, in a different way. And one other thing I'll, in one of our chapters is about taking action But I could hear in your voice, oh my gosh, there's so much to do and there's so many things to decide from. And the permaculture tenet that Deanna uh, has put along with taking action is starting small and building on success. And instead of trying to do it all, just what's the most important thing? Again, there's that deep question. What's the most important thing for me to do right now? And do that.
1: Yes. And you know, sometimes we think, well, if I if I do this, what does it matter anyway? You know, I, right. I, I see people say that. And, and we recycle in the house and we do certain things. But I have a friend who has been into the environment for many, many, many years and very much green thinking. And I think about 25 years ago, she, she wrote a book called From Trash to Cash. <laughs> and it was part of her master's degree. And then she ended up writing the book. And she... She's one of these people who for the years, the 25 years that I've known her, she has always like, you know, kind of yelled at me if, if she's come on our boat. She says, you know, we don't have to bring plastic to throw away, which, you know, I never want to wash dishes or anything. She says, come on, we'll just wash the dishes. So, I mean, that's she's always been into that. And recently I've talked to her and I said, you know, that I was going to be interviewing you about this book. And then we got off on a tangent and she said she is so disappointed with the world because as we're even if we try and change things here look at China look at all the emerging countries that are just polluting like crazy and they don't care about it and I think it gets back to what you're saying both of you is that just take you know take one step and it's it doesn't matter what other people are doing yes you want to encourage them and educate them but it doesn't mean that you shouldn't at least be taking the steps that you can to make it green with your intention, right?
2: A sociologist and anthropologist Margaret Mead never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. That's my motto.
1: You know, Sandy, you were a school teacher for a long time, and so was I. What, uh, you know, what is going on, at least with the schools, with teaching the green intention? And are you guys thinking about doing some speaking engagements for them, or what What are the thoughts? Because the, yo- the young kids really need to be taught this so it becomes at a conscious level when they're young.
2: And uh, teaching the parents, of course, is teaching the children. Right. And Deanna's had much more experience in working with kids. In it. Do you want to explain a little bit about what y- you've been involved in with the children, Deanna?
3: Yeah, I, you know, I don't really know what's going on in the public school system right now. I know that there's a lot of opportunities um, I have some friends who travel around and plant fruit tree orchards with kids um, at the public schools. Um, We've also done a lot of work with, there's a big movement with school gardens and using um, the garden as a model for, and you can teach every subject out of the garden, you know, based on um, that life that comes from the seeds and um, food and and pretty much every subject that that can be taught, um, which is a really great model and also a useful tool to know how to do is grow food. Um, and then, you know, uh, I have lots of friends who are involved in t- different schools and and uh, teaching um, projects that involve um, nature awareness, so taking kids out to wild places that used to be a lot more accessible than they are now um, because a lot of times that's where kids develop a love for the environment, and also can let their creative energy expand. Um, so there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of opportunities out there. Sometimes you might have to look beyond the traditional, you know, educational models. Um, but there's so many opportunities now for kids and adults, even together, to um, learn about, you know, um, green living. There's there's all kinds of centers, um, environment, environmental centers, um, a lot of uh, m- municipalities, different cities are, um, you know, putting on workshops or have places where you can go to learn about recycling and composting and, um, you know, waste management and all that. Um, so there's a lot of opportunities and they're out there and they're not far away.
1: And um, actually that might be better than just the schools too, you know, where they're doing, if the definitely. communities are getting people involved.
3: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. And and, and there's, there's, you know, be, one huge technology that we have right now is, you know, the internet and everything. You know, these things are posted up there. It's like, you know, the green movement is not. Um, it, it's, it's sometimes it's quiet, um, but it's so, um, it's so there. It's so there's there's millions of org- organizations around the world. You know, so when we talk about other countries doing these, you know, um, really maybe things that aren't in alignment, there's also so many people that are doing really good things. So I would just encourage everybody to find the good things that are going on and be a part of that um, yes. rather than you know resisting
1: <laughs> right. resisting what's going on. So Right, right. We don't want to focus on the negative. We're speaking with the co-authors of The Green Intention, Living in Sustainable Joy by Sandy Moore and Deanna Moore. And you can learn more about the book and uh, order it at thegreenintention.com. Guidelines and tools that redirect your mind to the first step of a green life and that's really good because so many of us are afraid to even just take that first step. And that's what I think was so beautiful about your book is that it really helps you to just take one step at a time. So I wanted to ask you, Deanna, what did you do when you were in Africa and India? <laughs> because I, I really didn't know when you had worked in those indigenous cultures. Were you working in trying to develop these kinds of sustainable joy?
3: Well, um, I was in Africa a couple different times. The first time I was there, I was working with the Cheetah Conservation Fund, and um, I personally was working on vegetation um, rehabilitation so we could actually create more habitat for the endangered cheetah populations,
1: mm. um,
3: which was really amazing work, and a lot of it was education and working with the local people there.
1: And and, what, um, uh, go ahead.
3: Oh, and using biological resources, so using you know natural technologies to um, help create, you know, preserve and and cre- and create habitat for
1: the cheetahs. Um, what, ab- what about when you were in India?
3: Well, when I was in India, it was um, my mom and I actually went, and uh, we we started off as kind of a spiritual journey for us. And then I I always get, when and wherever I travel to, I always go check out and do usually like a um, a traveling, um, you know, exploration of different agricultural sites to see how people are living sustainably. So um, I went to a – and and stayed on a farm and helped out with an organic um, farming project. And they were actually um, growing cacao there Mm. and coffee, and they had um, different – they had all kinds of different um, crops they were growing. But that was one of the first places where I learned how to make chocolate, which is really – kind of rare for India because it's not known as a a chocolate place. I know. I think
1: of Mexico.
3: (laughs) Yeah, Mexico. Even (laughs) Africa. Actually, the second time I was there, I visited the only fair trade um, chocolate uh, cooperative um, at that time in West Africa, which was really interesting. Hmm. Um, (laughs) So is that (laughs) where you
1: got the idea to to do this, your chocolate company?
3: Well, yeah. You know, it's funny because looking back, it was like, oh, you know, it wasn't at the time it wasn't my intention, but it just sort of. It, I felt like it followed me, <laughs> right. and it, it sort of found me and chose me and said, "Okay, you need to do this." Um, and it's an amazing way of, of really um, using an amazing, you know, um, commodity in our world to teach about sustainability um, and to embody all of these uh, amazing practices. So, um, so yeah, I, I was, I, you know, like I said, I my passion is uh, learning how people live sustainably all over the world
1: and in so, a lot of countries when they don't have all the things that we have they've learned to to be sustain they've been sustainable in many ways that are congruent with green intention isn't it? aren't they
3: Well yeah i mean you know it's a lot of times it's ingrained in their culture until their culture is you know changed so they're already asking they've already been asking themselves for generations what's sustainable you know that's already part of how they make decisions and um because they rely on their environment for their li- their life. Right. So it becomes it becomes as sacred as it is, you know, uh, a practical tool. So a lot of times the spirituality part of it and the, you know, the 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 daily living part of it is so intertwined.
1: It too. reminds me of the American Indian traditions, right? All the sacredness of the land and blessing the animals before you take their life for food and all that so tell us then sandy how about that sacred self that sacredness uh how does does caring for the sacred self entail the green intention or how does that how does that collaborate or how does that work with with our green intention to have that respect for the sacred self
2: well, one of the the first things that uh, my beautiful daughter taught me on this journey is the food we put in our mouth is a fuel for our soul. I mean, you know, what we eat is, is sacred and is it life-giving. Again, it's so much of the green is about life-giving. You know, what am I doing that's life-giving to me? And if we don't care for ourselves, we not only become, you, you know, not, it, life becomes more difficult for us, but we're not as useful on the planet so it's very very important for us to do our self-maintenance what and again it takes a deep connection you know what is what do i need now to be in the highest and best condition to be a beneficial presence on the planet and you know life is contrast so it's not going to mean we're healthy all the time it's not going to mean that accidents or you know confusion doesn't happen because that's the journey of life it's not like oh this idyllic scene but it's really doing what's best to care for ourselves, and then we're caring for a very precious commodity on the earth.
1: Yes, and I know that Deanna is uh, really an, a wonderful cook, and she's into using the, the all that she has learned and mm-hmm. grown to, to develop these wonderful meals. Why don't you tell us about that, Deanna, how that kind of gets to the, what your mom is talking about, about taking in the, the sacred foods?
3: Yeah, I mean, food and water are important. They're life, you know, they're essential to our life. And um, so when I look at food, I see it as, like, one of those essential things to to um, focus on. And, and people can really connect to it because we do it every day. So, um, you know, I look at what's local. You know, if you look at your sort of footprint of food, a lot of times food's traveled thousands of miles to get to our plates. Um, but, you know, our basic meals, how can we... Is there a you know local farm or farmers market that we could start buying our food fresh from? And yes, there is. Most people have that. Um, particularly people that are gonna be listening here. There's amazing in California has amazing farmers markets um all over, probably every day of the week. So we can be buying, buying fresh local produce um and food every day um uh, of the week. We have that resource. And um, you know, a lot of and then organic food, um, even if it's not, you know, local, it's um it's you know one one of the most pivotal steps in you know food industry is is growing food without you know using these petrochemical based really unhealthy um, life degenerating substances. So um, and there's all kinds of you know political and physical and environmental um, aspects to, to these. So I I I mean the thing that I say is you know, buy local, buy organic food. Um, that's the healthiest thing you can put in your body. And, um, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, it's more expensive. But it's preventative health care, you know, yes. you're going to feel better. And I, I just, um, it's a challenge for me to understand how people can justify, you know, paying for, the, you know, a doctor bill but not paying upfront costs for, for really healthy food. Um, you know, not, not to, I mean, I know we all, you know, some of us get sick and we have to do certain things and there's no Problem with that, but particularly with just our basic health, you know, the functioning of our, you know, our immune system and and all of our our body and, and health. So, um, you know, across the board, I would say for environmental, spiritual, and physical health, <laughs> food is a huge um, way to express our uh, environmental and. Mm-hmm spiritual consciousness
1: and and respect our sacred self. You know, in our neighborhood, we all know each other a long time. So one of my neighbors has every kind of tomato that you could imagine that he grows. And they are so delicious. And, you know, we have lemons and we have plums and we have nectarines and we have oranges and grapefruit and all this stuff. So what happens is, is we do trades (laughs) And uh, when our plums come out, unfortunately, they all come out at once and it just drives me nuts. I wish it would last the whole summer, but it's like in a week, you know, you have to eat those Santa Rosa plums. So we put them in little bags and take them and put them on the doors of the doorknobs of all of our neighbors. And, you know, then they kind of do that with their stuff. And not everybody does it, but I'll tell you that that's another way to really share is, you know, especially in California, unlike other places that are listening in, at least they can do it in the summer. They can try and, and share. Yes. And so that's really good. Now, Sandy. Oh, that's, that's a great story. I mean. Yeah. I mean, you there. can do it. I mean, you don't have to have a big garden, you know, but if you do, it's fun to share. And I have friends from the desert that come in and they bring me mangoes and, you know, then we trade. So, you know, we can do that here in California, but even in other places, they can at least do it in the summer. You know, absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, the, one of
2: one of, uh, in fact, the concluding chapter of the book talks, talks about uh, being the example. You know, being the example, and that's just exactly what you're doing in your neighborhood, Mari. There's not. I can't think of a better thing to do that you to to be living the green intention and living in sustainable joy. To you're building community, you're you're sharing your your wealth in your food, and you're being healthy. Yes. So it says, be the change and spread the movement by example is how we define part of the defining of living in sustainable joy. You know, that's being a beneficial presence on the planet. That's really connecting the web. I mean, how many people in the world right now know their neighbors that well? Right. You're an example of that. How beautiful. Especially in
1: California, where people Mm -hmm. never do. But we happen to have been been here about 20 years, so we do. Beautiful. Well, we are out of time, so I want to make sure that we give the greenintention.com. We can also give inspiritoc.com. And you have to give that for me, Deanna, your, your website for your chocolate company.
3: Yeah, it's called Flow Foods Chocolatel.
1: Chocolatel.
2: And spell chocolatel.
3: Spell
1: that
2: C H O C O L A T L
1: perfect. You guys are so wonderful. We really love you both Deanna and Sandra, Sandy. Yes, and, love we, you, Mari. and we will make sure that people go to the greenintention.com and start thinking about the little things that each of us can do. So thank you so much for joining thank us. you. All right. Appreciate we'll talk it. to you soon. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine and KUCI.org on the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every week right here on KUCI.org and visit our website at KUCI.org slash privacy piracy where you can see our upcoming guests click on their websites and visit those of course we'd love to hear from you with emails about what's important to you in the information age thank you stay private
2: the opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI its management or the UC Board of Regents